are the people I truly serve. This is Year Zero. Today, I have Thaddeus Russell on the podcast. We talk about the COVID lockdowns, the growing underground economy, foreign policy, and suicides. Uh, I apologize for the interruptions by Boogie. He was extremely vocal and active during this podcast. So I apologize for that. But before we get started, don't forget, for all your graphic design needs, go to ryanbunting.com. Ryan Bunting is a good friend of the show. He's done the logo for the podcast. He also does the artwork for books and other things. So any graphic design you need, ryanbunting.com. I'd like to thank Tom Burton for the music and... I would like to thank all of you for your donations to the Libertarian Institute. We exceeded our goals there at the Institute, and it's greatly appreciated for all of you who donated. Don't forget to go to your favorite place to listen to podcasts. Rate and review all of your favorite podcasters. Donate and keep them, us, all of us, moving and engaged in the podcast world. If you would like to donate to me, you can go paypal.me forward slash Tommy Salmons. That's paypal.me forward slash Tommy Salmons. Here's the show. All right, I'm here with Thad. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> Tommy, man. I, I just got to say, uh, this makes me so happy because you've been listening to my stuff and watching me for how long? I mean, it's been years. I've been I, seeing your name. I came in, I think it was like episode like 20 something. Yeah. And the so first, was- you were on Tom Woods and I heard you and I was like, I like this guy. And then you were on Rogan and you had that whole controversy with the trans shit. Yep. And I, you know, I spoke to you about it on Twitter. I was like, what did you mean by that? Was it something like this? And you're like, yeah, something like that. I was like, all right, mm. cool. Like, I get it. <laughs> like, whatever. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so I'm that's not, been. I'm not offended easily. I'm just kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> good. So that means more than three years. Yeah, it's, um, been, it's been a while. And you, but it's not just the the length. I mean, you're you're always. I'm seeing. I always see your name. I see your name everywhere, and um, like on Twitter and elsewhere. And you're one of my. Um, trucker friends i have a lot of trucker friends because a lot of a lot of people who drive trucks for a living listen to the podcast and they're the they're the coolest most hardcore listeners and i love them you know and you're so you're you're the you're the king of the truck and the trunk trucking faction in my uh <laughs> in my world man yeah <laughs> yeah gord uh gord actually told me to tell you hi yeah, yeah. you and gord yeah we're king. good we're good buddies he's been on the show a couple of times mm-hmm. yeah so yeah but man i asked you on i I thought this would be an interesting conversation or at least an interesting subject and it's something that's actually close to my heart because my great-grandfather ran a speakeasy but i never did get to meet him and there's not a lot of stories about what was going on back then 
You know, it was kind of one of those things that was just kind of hush hush under the table. So it's not really big in the family. So getting to talk about the history of speakeasies, like I thought was would be a really good idea. And then I saw when Danny Presti um, up in Staten Island uh, got arrested for mm. claiming his bar was an autonomous zone. <laughs> And I was like, I need to get a hold of Thad about this. <laughs> you know, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it was. It's a pretty interesting. Uh, it, it, he'd probably be a pretty interesting guy for you to talk to. Yeah. Um, he he ran a Max something. I can't remember the exact name of the bar, but it was in Staten Island, and he got okay. arrested in January because he basically told uh, De Blasio and Cuomo no. My bar is an autonomous zone. I don't have to follow your mandates and your lockdowns. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it well, was really awesome. See, it's only um, the thing is you can't have an, this is according to universal law. You can't have an autonomous zone unless it's for racial justice. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the problem with that whole plan. He didn't think that through carefully enough. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but you know, as soon as I found out about that story, I did, I Googled, uh, I, <laughs> who's that easy, easy killer <laughs> he saw, there's a guy changing a trash bag across the parking lot he's like hey motherfucker what <laughs> <laughs> what kind of dog you got what he's kind of pit, dog pit oh the best you want to come you want to see him yeah come here, I love, come here goofball I, come here. I have a i have come a on. huge thing for pit bulls i love them they're my favorite dog come yeah oh. yeah buddy oh look at that beauty oh wow oh. he's gorgeous yeah Oh, and he's a big old handful. He's awesome. Yeah. Wow. A big old baby. And it wouldn't be a year zero show if he wasn't on it. Yeah, he's he, awesome. He's always going to make his appearance. All right, Bubba, come on. I Let's live stop. right now. I I live with a big pit bull, and he's like the sweetest dog ever. <laughs> I, I just I love them so much. They're the best dogs. Under grossly underrated and have the worst reputation. I mean, it's totally undeserved reputation. Yeah, I got we got two. I got one that stays with my wife, and he's been riding with me since he was five weeks old. No way. Yeah. So wow, that's awesome. So he's a <laughs> he's a road dog, and he will not be quiet today. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I so saw I started googling uh, when I saw the Danny Presti story. And there was, I was like, wow, man, they were busting speakeasies all over the United States the entirety of 2020. Just the underground economy blew up. Oh. And I was like, this is awesome. So I really figured it would be a subject you'd be interested in chatting about. Oh, man. So I would adore that. And I, when this thing first started a year ago, I, I think I tweeted something about how renegades you know people like who do speakeasies that those kinds of people were about to have their moment you know um but and i know that somehow but i just haven't seen like enough evidence you know i don't know it's not it's not clear like how many people are doing this kind of stuff and right. i know it's a lot but i just don't it's hard to do research on it you know what i mean yeah so I need I need the data and then I can definitely talk about it. But I mean, I can talk about it now, but I'd love I would. My point is, yes, I fucking love this this topic. <laughs> um, and I just wish we had more data. I wish we had more information on it. But you tell me, like, what what do you know? Well, what I've what I have been able to find was they were the the state governments and especially in California, it looked like there was a lot happening in the Orange County area. <laughs> and they were and they were raiding them and busting them i know there were some 
that were popping up in New Hampshire because I had buddies in that area that were telling me that they were going to them. Uh -huh. um, but I really don't know. I, I haven't run into any um, just for the sheer fact that I'm out on the road all the time. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and I know the little bar there near my house did get shut down and we tried to talk her into, you know, running it under the table, but it wasn't two years ago, a gambling operation got shut down in the little town I live in. Mm. So, so she was all nervous about that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so just like in the 1920s with prohibition, the law essentially or effectively made the country a nation of criminals. There were very few people who did not violate the law in the 1920s because most people drank and most people didn't stop drinking. You know, I mean, who would, who the fuck would stop drinking because of the law? Right. Um, and we know this, we know that, you know, presidents and and famous people and celebrity, you know, everybody was drinking all through the 20s. And that the decline in respect for authority, especially police, hit its all time low in the 1920s. So that Hollywood movies, and I write about this in the book, um, if you go look at the great, uh, the great gangster movies of the early 30s, like with Jimmy Cagney and uh, Edward G. Robinson, uh, Public Enemy, White Heat, those movies. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. They were the most, po it was the most popular genre in the, in the early 1930s. Those movies are really a trip. You've got to check. Everybody should go watch them. First of all, they're just fun. They're actually, they hold up. They're very entertaining. But you'll see that, number one, the gangster, I wouldn't say it's quite sympathetic the way that the way the filmmakers are presenting them, but it's definitely empathetic. So you right. see you see the world through their eyes, through the gangster's eyes, instead of you know them as the object, they're basically the subject here. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of pathos about their lives. It's usually like a, a rise and fall kind of story. But then the most important thing I think politically is that in those movies, there's a lot of sort of like this brazen disrespect of cops. You know, there's, I've, I forget which one it is, but there's a scene in one of those movies in which the lead, the the lead, the main gangster, like uh, he strikes a match on the cop's badge, and like oh, when he cigarette. gets out of prison, yeah, I remember, oh, you know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, I remember reading about it in the book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And so you know, and that was just sort of the con. So you could kind of, the cops were seen as buffoons who had no business meddling in people's business, right? right. I mean, this is Hollywood's depiction. This is before the Motion Picture Code of 1934. Um, and in fact, the motion picture code in 1934 was in large part a reaction to that because the if you read the code, you'll see, I think I haven't read it in a while, but there's sections in which, you know, you can't show disrespect for authority, basically, right. and especially law enforcement. Then Variety, this is also my book too, but Variety Magazine did a poll of its readers and found that, I forget the exact numbers, but I know that gangsters were like among the top 10 most most popular figures according to the poll and much higher um, than politicians. They had a much higher favorability <laughs> rating than politicians. So, you know, I was hoping back a year ago that that's what would happen now because of this shit. And well, I mean, I guess we don't really know yet. As I said, like I need more evidence just to know what's going on out there, but right. you know, certainly where I live, oh, it's it's a motherfucking dystopian science fiction 
novel here. It's, it's real. I, I, I don't, and I'm in the Bay area for people who don't know, like in the heart, the belly of the beast. I mean, everybody's wearing masks. The fucking dogs wear masks practically, you know, and they don't question shit. They think it's just absolutely necessary, all this lockdown and all this. And they just think if anybody who even asks a question about it is a racist Trump supporter, blah, da, 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 da. So you can't even begin a conversation uh, about these things. And I have I've been keeping count, dude. I've been yelled at now. The number is now 13 times. I've been yelled at outdoors, outdoors, usually on hiking trails for not wearing a mask. It's uh, it's it's almost unlivable. It's really close. Like I can't it's hard for me to go outside because I refuse to wear a mask. I won't do it. But I also feel very uncomfortable. Like my girlfriend doesn't give a shit. She's like, she's like a, she's a gangster basically. Like she, she actually kind of enjoys telling them to fuck off in that way. But I, it bothers me, you know, Um, maybe it shouldn't. I wish it didn't. I wish I were more badass than she is, but, um, (laughs) or as badass, but the um, it's, so what you see here on the surface is what I'm getting at is terrible. It looks like a nation of cops, in fact, on the surface, at least where I live. I haven't been in Trump country. Like I wanna literally just, one of these days I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna get in my car and I'm gonna drive until I'm in Trump country and just experience life as it was in 2019. Right. Um, But I gotta say, even in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, I've got to assume, and I've seen a little bit of evidence, not a lot, but I've got to assume that there's a whole bunch of people breaking the law and having speakeasies of all sorts, not just where they serve alcohol, but just to congregate, you know, just right. human interaction to facilitate human interaction of all kinds. In fact, you know, I was just thinking maybe we should, I mean, I'm starting to like, we're gearing up to organize meetups here um, for people who are like associated with Renegade University or listen to the podcast and yeah, I mean, we should call it a goddamn speakeasy and we should, you know, we should actually sort of advertise this because it's it's psychological warfare, right? This whole thing is about, you know, and they would even admit it. I mean, they would admit that they've had, I mean, they've, I've, you've heard doctor, you know, the official doctors, scientists say publicly, in fact, the dude in California, the main medical cop in California admitted that Newsom's last lockdown order, which was right before Christmas, he said <laughs> on camera, he said, yeah, it doesn't, it's only for optics. Right. It's only, it's only to set an example. Um, while they're destroying thousands and thousands of independent businesses yeah, and basically handing the keys to the kingdom to Jeff Bezos Mm -hmm. um, and a handful of other ginormous corporations. So it's like, if they're that cavalier, (laughs) right? About, and and this is not livelihoods, this is lives. People's lives. Yeah. I wanna know the suicide rate in California. Oh man, I I ran into a story and it, it broke my heart. I was actually, my wife and I were talking about it this weekend and I, I broke down. I started crying. I was like, this is just so fucking horrible. A 12 year old boy in Texas hung himself. And 
his parents, like his dad had just left for work, just walked out the door. He went upstairs and uh, about 30 minutes later, his sister went up to check on him, found him, found him uh, hanging from, I guess his closet or something. I can't remember exactly, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and his dad his, and his mom were saying that he was having a lot of troubles with the, with the lockdowns, with the not being able to go to school. And in Texas, the way they did it, which so you can put some of it on the parents, but it's the parents getting this information from the official narrative. And this is what they are told they're supposed to believe. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the time to research and spend all day, you know, looking into this. They have three children to take care of. They have full time jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. But the parents, you know, in, in Texas get to or have been getting to choose whether or not to send your children back to school, at least was the case with my kids. So. Mm -hmm. So my wife, my ex-wife chose to send my children back to school, which I was thankful for. I was like, yes, thank you. Like, I don't, they don't need to be locked up anymore. Last year, like was devastating for them, you know, and I have one of my, one of my kids is just a natural agorist, you know, and, <laughs> and he's got to have that interaction. Like, <laughs> he's like, I got to be exchanging money. I got to be, you know, I got to be moving, you know, and, you know, 16 years old i was i was selling marijuana so lucky for me he's selling candy bars which i'm like all right well that's much better than where i was because you know i got in all kinds of shit when i was your age <laughs> I, don't know the, I don't know the profit margin isn't isn't as good though i don't think <laughs> Pro, probably not but you know you know at least there's like at least he's operating the gray market you can make an argument with the with a principal like hey man like what is he doing you know right so right this is legal in most of the country. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Why are you oppressing my son over this? Well, they don't. They have a monopoly, man. They don't want to. They don't want them competing with their machines. Damn so. right. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, I uh, God, I almost had. There was this black young black woman. What? This was like a year ago, two years ago. This is before the before the pandemic. What was it? There was this young black woman who got busted. I think it was in Texas, in fact, for selling candy. Exactly yeah. what you're, yeah. And it became this like national, sort of a national news story. And then like a lot of like young black people were on Twitter talking about how, yeah, this is what we do. And they bust us for it. And all we're doing is like making money, selling things that the kids want that are not harmful to them. Um, we're being entrepreneurial for fuck's sake when we're like 15 years old. Right. Uh, in many cases, they are helping put food literally on the table because their parents are too poor, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And nonetheless, though, it's not even, and it's also not just the principals, it's, they have cops come in to bust these kids who do this on, right. on school. So back to the suicide, of, was he 12? He was 12. Yeah, so I wish I could say this was the first time I've heard a story like that. Yeah. I've heard many stories of kids killing themselves and leaving notes saying that the isolation caused by the lockdown was the principal cause yeah. um, of them wanting to end their lives. I will never forgive these people for what they've done to the young. Yeah. Never. I am so grateful my son is 19, so he just missed it. I mean, he's still affected, but not nearly as badly as if he'd been in school, you know? I am so grateful that my grandmother died five years ago and didn't end up in one of Andrew Cuomo's nursing homes. Right. Um, but I will, but what they've done to the young, 
children and young adults, people who are just starting out, who are getting things going, who are in college or whatever, starting a job, a career, trying to enjoy life, trying mm. to have sex, right? Trying to find the first love, all those magical, enormous, pivotal moments in our lives snatched. And we've known how long since like the second week or something that it does virtually nothing. The virus does virtually nothing to young people. Mm -hmm. We've known this, I think, almost the entire time. Right. And they're still dragging their feet about reopening schools. Although I got to say, man, I mean, I totally I'm with the parents because they the state monopolized this service and they've basically used it for babysitting. I get it. I, I did, too. You know, mm -hmm. um, but part of me is like, you know what? Do we really want to reopen these schools? Public schools, we really want to reopen, you know, but but nonetheless, the fucking teachers union, teachers unions. Have forced these politicians. It's just amazing to watch that CDC woman, the head of the CDC on the. It was on CNN. This was like a few weeks ago, like and CNN was actually being harsh on her. I was like, wow, CNN's actually asking questions. Um, and she just hemmed and hawed and went, when, you know, why, when they could go back to school and whether teachers should go back to school and all and I'm like, wait, you're supposed to be the scientist, the chief doctor, the one who tells us exactly what's up. And you're like, she couldn't even give a straight answer, which totally tells me that she had the teachers union in one ear the whole time she was talking. Right. Because they don't want to go. They like having this basically free vacation. Right. I guess. I assume. I mean, I shit. If I was a teacher, I would, too. I get it. You know, why not? Self-interest. Yep. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, the kids who are in sports, especially, I think, got really hammered by this because sports, you know, might be the only good thing in a lot of those schools. Yeah. Might be. I hadn't thought of that before this, but, you know, a lot of the kids who killed themselves were on sports teams. Right. I mean, There's a teenager in Maine, a football player, killed himself. He said it in his note. That's what that was the main thing. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a very extroverted kid, you know, that kind of, I mean, yeah, well, and this is I, I've I've said this on the podcast before. This is extremely difficult on extroverts. And uh, I want to give you credit because actually you actually planted this idea in my head. And then I saw it come to fruition with my wife. When you were talking, it was it was a long time ago. It was probably two years ago in one of your episodes. You were talking about the atmosphere, the environment of the workforce in the United States and how oppressive it is to people, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I saw my wife, my wife is from South Africa. So when she came over here, mm -hmm. she was used to a completely different atmosphere and being placed in a cubicle all day mm -hmm. long and mm -hmm. not being able to communicate with her coworkers mm -hmm. almost destroyed her. Mm -hmm. And then when, when all this started happening, since then we've gotten her where she works at home and she's free to do whatever she wants and she loves it. But mm -hmm. but part of her daily routine to get that interaction was going to the grocery store every day. Now, mm -hmm. I do live in a very small town, southeast Texas, probably about 2000 people. And they even bought into the mask wearing for about one week last year, <laughs> and that week that the grocery store was dead set on making every person that walked in that door wear a mask about destroyed her. 
Cause she's like, I can't see people's reactions. I don't know. Like if they're smiling, if you know, this, that, and the other, this is where I would go every day to get my interaction with people. And it's just killing me. And it caused a lot of anxiety for her. Yep. Well, you know, a depressed population is easy to control. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're although easy I guess- to drug too. Yeah. Right. So, you know, big farm is having the time of its life. Right. <clears throat> right. Both with like the uh, what's it like three times the uh, prescription medication rate or something like that. And and of course, they get to be the heroes with the vaccines. Right. Right. I mean, goodness gracious. And you have all these like socialists and stuff like cheering it on and saying we're complete fools to question any of that. I'm like, wait a second, a minute ago, you Bernie Sanders people were talking about how big pharma was the devil. And now you're saying rushed through by the federal government that we should just trust this thing and put it in our arms, really, um, right. without an I mean, OK, if it works, it works. It's fine. But like people should have been at least skeptical when it was first rolled out and they still should be because we still don't know the long term effects of it. We just don't know. But to like to to like dismiss even skepticism as again, oh, well, you're just a Trump racist, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, they will, and they'll bring in the race shit on this immediately too. Right. Because African-Americans are more, are more, more vulnerable. Oh, no, they're not. Poor people, working class people are more vulnerable. Mm. It's not because they're goddamn race. And my friend Camille Foster made this point brilliantly on, on Bill Maher. Bill a few Maher. Weeks ago. That was yeah, great. He, he crushed it. Yeah. And that is the point, right? Um, but they, they got to racialize everything. And so we're living, this is a new topic I'm moving into, but like, I, I've just been thinking lately that this is, this is, I think, the most racist moment in American history since the civil rights movement. Um, in some ways, it's more thoroughly racist because so many people have bought into it. You know, I saw this picture of the supermarket, I tweeted it, which has, they labeled all the products according to the race of the owner. So like there would be like a can of beans that says black owned next to that, you know, some rice, Hispanic owned. They didn't ever say white owned, but like, I'm like, that's Jim Crow. Yeah. That's like the, that's like the water fountains. Now, yes, I get the point. <laughs> well, they weren't, they certainly weren't worried about black businesses last year when a bunch of upper middle-class white kids were going into the hood and burning them all down. Mm. They didn't give a shit about black businesses then. Or black neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Of course. Yeah. But, no. But to, to compound on what you're talking about and just tie it all back in. Yeah. You know, they're, they're defending, they're defending all of this racism. They're defending the, the big pharma and they're defending, you know, governors like Gavin Newsom who are breaking their own mandates, which, which leads me back <laughs> to the speakeasies because my great grandma received a letter from Edwin Edwards when my great grandpa died. Because was he Ed- was a, Edwin Edwards was well, he was in the state legislature at the time, but he ended up being the governor of Louisiana. Okay. Oh, oh, oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. You're talking about and so yeah, yeah. I have a copy on my of that letter on my phone. My mom sent to me. Also, wow. the sheriff of Lake Charles, Louisiana, sent him a sent my great grandma a letter saying how sorry he was about my great grandpa's death. Wow. Like so, those that were in the positions of power. It was okay for them. It was kind of like the passing when they passed the um, the regulations on owning uh, firearms. When it was when it came down, it was in what was it nineteen? 
was it 34 when they did the the firearms act where you couldn't own a fully automatic yes. machine gun yes yeah. 34. well yeah. well the people that the people that were carrying them around and shooting each other in the streets had the money to pay for that you know that mm -hmm. you know tax on that so they weren't worried about it they're like whatever man and i'm not gonna pay you anyway i'm a criminal i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah you know um and they so, you know so all these things all always <laughs> come back around to hurt the poor oh sure yeah um yeah these politicians they get guarded by basically armies of men soldiers you know carrying automatic weapons but we're not allowed to even have a pistol mm -hmm. to defend ourselves uh you know that's the the so-called gun nuts have been making that point for a long time but i think it's a pretty goddamn good one you know that needs to be taken seriously why is it that it's not just okay but necessary for a politician to have armed guards but we it's not okay for us to own a gun well they want you vulnerable and dependent yeah totally you right know, if you're you know a dependent society will will never overthrow the government that they're dependent on yeah dependent and depressed that's where we are now now we're dependent on them again economically because of their own lockdowns that's a good trick so we're gonna we're gonna shut down the economy <laughs> print how many trillions of dollars now is it five six trillion dollars? Uh, last by by last i thought i saw six <laughs> but it it it's even worse it's even worse than that when you really look at it it's something around 60 percent of the currency in circulation was printed last year <laughs> if you look at the chart it, it seriously it's kind of like this slow rise and then you have this straight line it's so yeah, like I've talked about this a lot. Like I didn't read any economics until I was in my 40s. <laughs> so I am not an expert at all. But that is there an economist on the planet who would think that's just fine? I mean, I that's got to have massive distortionate effects, at least, at least, if not um, setting the stage for a worldwide economic collapse. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like, I mean, all basic economics says it's not okay to print, to print $6 trillion right. in a year. Right. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just become like, it's, there are multiple realities you can choose from these days to live in. Right. You know, maybe I should say that's a good thing as I'm a postmodernist and all. <laughs> and actually I was thinking that like cancel culture. I was just thinking this morning, you know, <clears throat> Because I'm listening to conservatives yell all the time about cancel culture. And I'm like, wait a second. Do you want this is kind of what I've, I've been saying about like assimilation and black people and gays? And so, he's like, wait, um, do you want to be a part of that club? Do you want to be on those news shows? Right. Do you want to be on C-SPAN, CNN? Do, do you want to be published in The New York Times? I mean, that would be an embarrassment to me to be published in the New York Times, but I don't, even at their best, I never wanted to be a part of that family. I mean, when I was, when I was like 20 years old, I, you know, I thought, cause I wanted to be a journalist then I thought the New York Times, but, but now it's just, it's Pravda to me. I mean, truly like the news section of the New York Times is no different than Pravda. Yes. Um, and the Washington Post is like the North Korean state media. I mean, it's not even, I mean, truly like, that headline they had about uh, Joe Biden shower showers Americans in money. Did you see that from the Washington Post? No. Showers us in money. That's the headline announcing the, the <laughs> stimulus bill. 
Oh, is that, um, where, is that where they're one there where they're talking about he's curing poverty? Yes. Oh, yes, indeed. God. Yeah. Yeah. That's the second clause, <laughs> the second clause of that sentence. Yeah. That, that's an, that's like the greatest headline ever written. I got to say, but yeah. I, I said in Twitter, it's like, that's exactly what they say about, um, uh, Kim Jong-un in, in North Korea. Like that's the kind of language that they use truly. I mean, showers the people with money. What? <laughs> this is a strip club. Like really? Um, make it, make it rain, make it rain. Right. Joe Biden has channeled his inner R Kelly. God damn. And so, yeah, I mean, like we have entered a new realm that I've never encountered. I've never read about anything like this ever. I mean, there are so many just off the wall things happening that are immense. Right. I mean, all right, let's assume the election was actually not fraudulent. Okay. Let's just stipulate that. Even with that, let's say it was totally on the up and up. So we can even take that off the table, but here's the problem. Well, you got to completely forget about that time article if you're going to do that. Yeah. But also you got to forget about how many people is it now? 60 or 70 million people who believe according to polls that it was stolen. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So yo, you got half the electorate thinking that the election was stolen. Okay. Even if they are just crazy rednecks with red hats on, um, that's, real dangerous that's like printing trillions of dollars and putting it into the economy and assuming everything will be just fine at the end of the day right mm -hmm. those people they think it was stolen from them right the guy who was elected no one likes no one ever liked the democrats didn't like him liberals hated him everybody no one liked this dude he clearly is a midwit at best but with no popularity, Kamala Harris, his running mate, was the first Democrat to drop out of the primary. She was the first one to lose, basically. So they don't like her either. But that's who we're getting. And she's about to be president any minute because homeboy cannot speak at all now. I don't know if you saw that. I'm sure you did the thing where he forgot the name of the Pentagon and the name of the, his secretary <laughs> of defense. Oh, man. Um, so we're going to have Kamala Harris, the least popular Democrat among Democrats as president. You and know, there's half and half the population thinks that and no one voted for her, her ass. And that half the population thinks that the election was stolen and we have an economy floating on trillions of fake money, like trillions, trillions of fake dollars. This is um, and we have possibly close to 1 billion with a B guns in this country. Yeah. When you combine the regular legal licensed guns with all the 3d printed ones and all the DIY guns and all, but just unlicensed ones, mm -hmm. I've had seen estimates that it could be close to 1 billion and guess which segment of the population tends to own guns right yeah it's the, it's the ones who think that you stole the election right from, from them um so am i predicting a civil war <laughs> i mean look if it doesn't happen they just got lucky i'm just saying that this they the democratic party has 
created conditions for a civil war. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it's just a question of whether whether the MAGA crowd is actually going to be um, stand firm on this, how aggressive they're going to be. I mean, they're they're portrayed as these like raving lunatics, but actually the MAGA crowd, in my experience, and I've watched them very closely. I watch Steve Bannon every day. Um, you know, um, they're very calm, even tempered. They sort of have boomer mentalities. They're not. They're not like they don't wild out. Actually, in fact. Show me a video of a MAGA person beating someone up in the streets unprovoked. I don't think, have I seen that? I don't think I've seen that. I'm um, sure I could find at least one, but I mean, it's not like an everyday thing. Unprovoked? I don't think I've ever seen that, but it's very rare. Anyway, so I don't know if they ever get real mad. <laughs> we're well, in some I mean, trouble. But that's the propaganda we deal with everywhere, though. I mean, we we look we we deal with this for on foreign policy too. It's it's anything that doesn't line up with the establishment is going to be, you know, considered insane um, or or irrational. So you mm-hmm. look at uh, the propaganda that surrounds Russia, and they try to make them out to be these lunatics. But if they were really lunatics, we'd already be at war with Russia. They try to make Iran out to be these lunatics. If they were really lunatics, we'd already be at war with Iran. You know. Sure. So this is just the typical propaganda. And they're just they're taking what's always worked in foreign policy and they're aiming it at the domestic population. Right. Yep. So it either it's it's, it's going to boil down to the fact of either people are going to say, wait, I know that guy. He's my he's my neighbor or he yep. owns the owns the bar down the street or he owns the dry cleaner down the road. And he's not like what you're saying he is. He's not what you're portraying him to be. So either you get a lot of people getting red pilled over this situation, or you just have a seriously just a dumbed down population that's never going to figure it out. And, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, America, and then it's night of the walk, night of the living dead. I mean, that's yeah. Know. And, and uh, the Democrats, yeah, you reminded me, they also, in terms of like setting the stage for a civil war, labeling 70 to 80 million people as domestic terrorists, which is what they did. The way they defined it, you and I are domestic terrorists. Yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't vote for Trump. I wouldn't ever vote for anybody. <laughs> um, but just the way how you and I have been talking for the last 20 minutes, we totally qualify right. according to according to the Democratic Party's definition yeah. um, as domestic terrorists. So, huh. Yeah, man, I um. well, and they have precedent for for our our mentality being being labeled as domestic terrorists. I mean, Ross Ulbricht got two years plus 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, two life sentences plus 40. I mean, right, right. that 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 set a precedent for people like you and me, anybody that's off the grid thinking, you know, and, and takes the actions to create these societies off the grid. Yeah, I mean, I know we uh, we just started teaching. You probably know this. A webinar, it started last week, next class is tomorrow, a webinar on 3D printed guns. It's a, it's a basically 101 on how to do it, taught by one of the sort of leaders of the movement. Um, and best-selling course we've had ever. Yeah. <laughs> sold out, sold out with two weeks to go. But we had to lawyer up, you know, oh. had to spend uh, four figures on a lawyer just to like, just to tell us that, well, there is no law against this, but at any minute, any attorney general could come along. In fact, the AG, which was just in Jersey, one of the, just yesterday, like 
came down hard on 3D printed guns, had a bunch of people arrested. Yeah. So um, I didn't hear about that story. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing. Oh, they called it a ghost gun. That's what that's. Yeah. They called it a ghost gun thing. But and then I think Biden is about to appoint some kind of czar to oversee that in particular, mm-hmm. like ghost guns, 3D mm-hmm. printed guns. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad we're doing the webinar now <laughs> instead of, you know, a month from now when they have someone in office. But um, yeah, what what Renegade University is about to me is this, what you're talking about is creating an alternative community. Right. Straight up. That's that's what it is for me with virtually everything you can need in it. So this is and you, you talk about agorism, right? It's not all not everything we do is gray market or black market or even really any of it technically but we are certainly facilitating we teach courses on how to make your own guns we have a course coming out next uh, month on cryptocurrency same deal right mm-hmm. we are facilitating the creation of alternative communities that are outside the view the gaze of the authorities right well they don't like that shit <laughs> as you're saying and once we get big enough, like Ross did, who knows? I mean, I'm thinking about, I'm already looking at other countries. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we ever get successful enough, they could easily come for us. It's, um, it's a trippy time, man. And I, I, I just don't even, I don't know how scared I should be. On paper, look, on paper, we should all be terrified. Yeah. If you were just like, if you, took us you and me like from two years ago what we were two years ago and said to us okay in march in march of 2021 these are the things that are gonna be gonna be happening in american politics we'd probably be on a fucking plane to costa rica like by the next because it's on paper this is as scary as it could ever possibly be right and i haven't even talked about foreign policy yet I mean, which is always the scariest thing, right? Foreign policy is insane, yes. Holy <laughs> talked about that, right? But like the Republicans want to go to war with China and the Democrats want to go to war with, <coughs> with Russia. Everybody wants war with Iran. It's They all want war with all of the entire Muslim world. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, pick your world war. Now, what about this? And I heard Bannon bring this up and I was like, oh, my God. I mean, it's never happened in history, but it could happen. Why not? What if Russia and China decided to align with each other? Mm -hmm. Form an alliance. Wow. I was actually talking to Scott about that last year, about um, the the potential of uh, a Russia-China-Iran alliance, actually. Scott and I were talking about that last year. But I was on the phone with him yesterday and... uh, we were chatting about what's going on and he pointed out an article in the Washington post. He, he said, uh, I think he said Jason Dietz was uh, doing a follow-up on it, but Blinken basically told the president of Afghanistan, you better get your shit together and make a deal with the Taliban. Cause we're getting the fuck out of there. Wow. So I don't know if, if the Biden administration is planning on moving troops to somewhere else which I heard that a lot there's uh, a lot of talk about uh, more activity in the Horn of Africa, so that yeah. could be possible. Yep. But 
either way, it looks like the the war in Afghanistan is finally getting to be like going to come to an end at some point here in the next few years. Maybe. Although there was this report from the Joint Chiefs of Staff meeting from like a week ago, they had apparently some big, huge, I think, days long debate within the Joint Chiefs. So it's all classified. Right. But someone kind of leaked what went on. And Mark Milley, I forget which one. He's one of the Joint Chiefs. Um, In fact, he might be the chair of it. He's basically the top general in the in the country, which means in the world. But According to this source, and it's, you know, mainstream media picked it up, so it's probably true. Um, He went on a huge rant about how leaving Afghanistan is consigning the women of Afghanistan to the Stone Age. (laughs) If we leave, he said, you know, the Taliban will destroy these women's lives. We cannot. I mean, and apparently he got emotional. And Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, had to say, we're not going to make decisions based on emotion. This isn't a joint chiefs of staff meeting, right? We got one of these fuckers, like one of the main dudes thinking it's absolutely imperative. He was probably crying about, you know, the women of Afghanistan. By the way, polls have been taken of women in Afghanistan. And do you know that big chunks of that population favor a return to the Taliban? Why is that? Because they live in Afghanistan and they're Muslims. Yes. Do you think the Taliban is like just a completely alien foreign occupying force like the United States? But no, they grew out of the damn soil there. Yeah. They, I mean, they're, they're like I said, they're the guy down the street. <laughs> they know these people. It's not a majority of the population, but it's clearly a significant portion of the population. And we want to say and it's a lot of women who want because they believe in Sharia law. Yeah. Because it's the religion. That's the religion. So. Uh, we're just going to say to those women, you're wrong about your own life. Right. You don't have any autonomy. You have no say over your own body, over your own life, uh, your own community. And we're going to have a bunch of like ass ignorant American boys come with big guns and tanks to save you from other Afghan people. So, I mean, I guess... It did sound like Lloyd Austin, and I think Scott has said this to me too, like I think Lloyd Austin might be like relatively dovish on this stuff, meaning like (laughs) this is what it means to be a radical anti-war person in the federal government. It means he's finally willing to withdraw troops from Afghanistan after 20 years of being there. (laughs) That's that's being radical. Yeah. Um, But hey, I'll take it. And I hope it's true. I mean, I hope I hope they follow through. I don't know, though. I, I doubt it, actually. I don't I would be shocked if they took out everybody. Well, they're, they're, they're not going to abandon their bases. I mean, yeah, just like in Germany and Japan, you're going to have right. people there forever. forever. If, you, if we can get if we can, like, at least stop the offensive activity, like running around, you know, Kandahar and like destroying, you know, people's lives. You know, that's at least a positive, you know, so I guess I don't know, though. I don't know. Like, I mean, like you said, it's it's you you've said it before. It's about not, you know, not dealing with the blowback. And I mean, who knows what's coming, when and how, you know, it's like, yeah, there's there's plenty of grievances, you know, so. Yeah, here's what's going to happen, my friend. Afghanistan is going to be a member of NATO eventually. Watch. 
watch. They're going to extend NATO to the south of Russia, too. That's what those maniacs oh, yeah. There's no oh, doubt yeah. they want that. Yeah. The Clinton wing of the Democratic Party, man, they will not rest until Putin is gone and Russia is our satellite. Mm-hmm. Well, and I tell everybody, I say, you want to, if you want to understand what's going on in foreign policy, you want to understand what the United States is doing all over the damn place, how like NATO's expanding and pushing up against Russia's borders, trying to get Ukraine to join into NATO and all that good jazz. Read, uh, reads the big new Brzezinski's, uh, grand, uh, the grand chessboard. Yeah. Because I mean, that's a blueprint for everything that you see going on. Yep. I mean, yeah. he laid it out in the seventies and just said, this is what we need to do, you know? <laughs> Totally. And and the American, you know, the Pentagon has been going, OK, this is what I would look. It's right here. Page 250. You know, it, his isn't Mika Brzezinski, his daughter, her, yes. his daughter. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if um, she were actually forced to talk about that book on her show instead of, you know, what all the shit she does talk about? Here's what your dad wrote about Mika when you were a child. What do you think about this? Is this a good idea? Do you think the United States should be a global empire? Like, we don't even we don't have these conversations. You know, you know, who had these conversations for the first time was Donald Trump. Yeah, he was the first, not just president, but he was the first major politician of any kind to call into question the American empire. Yeah, straight up. He was the first one. There have been no senators, not really, who have done this even. I mean, certainly no president and no president, no serious presidential candidate other than Ron Paul has ever even raised the question. What, Dennis Kucinich? Yeah, okay. If you can call Kucinich major, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if he was major, but I was just thinking he was. Yeah, he ran. He ran. He ran, that's true. Yeah, no, it's totally true. But uh, certainly no, well, no president for damn sure. Yeah. And all Trump did really was just call it into question. He didn't do anything to dismantle it. He, there's the same he just number. wanted to know how we were going to profit from it he's like all right where, where's what's the bottom line here he's just asking he, questions he's just yeah. like is this, is this the best idea i mean are there other ways to go you know that's yeah. all and they flipped out um and i was just watching a documentary that i made it really clear to me i didn't realize at this time but mike flynn was their main focus um the whole resistance against trump it was all centered around flynn at first because flynn had done this right Right. he had he had said not sure the what we're doing in iraq and afghanistan is good and this whole empire thing and the nato i don't know and they had they tried to destroy him so it's all foreign policy man when you live and i've said this a hundred times on my show when you live in the when you live in the global the global superpower Almost every political question ends up being a foreign policy question. Right. It's remarkable how everything, the coronavirus, foreign policy is all over that sucker, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the Trump people are saying it's all from China. It was deliberate. That's why we got to go to war with China. <coughs> um, it has all sorts of effects with other countries too and in international relations. But yeah. Um, all right. I'm, I'm scared enough now. I got to go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that time, buddy. I'll, I'll make sure there's all uh, all your links and everything. Okay, thank so you. Nice. This is fun. You all should right, do buddy. Th- we'll You're do good at this, Tommy. All right. Appreciate Thanks. it. Bye.
taking all the feats of mediocrity again. Never really making any kind of change, but they keep on getting reelected, and I find that strange. And that's why I say fuck them, don't feed them, cause we don't even need them. I never celebrate the tyrants out of taking our freedom.